My guest today is the head of sales for Benelux and Nordics at Freshworks. Here's how some of his colleagues describe him. Dom is the type of guy you can call in the middle of the night and you can bet the bank that he'll show up. He's ambitious to learn, talented, on top of his game, incredibly energetic and fun to work with. Smart, bright and quick thinking and doing are words that immediately come to mind. He always goes the extra mile and keeps his promises. Here's another one. Our clients love Don. He's intelligent, spontaneous and honest and these are just a few of his core values. Don van der Duz, you're very welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, Paul. Nice uh, to be here today and I'm looking forward to this uh, interview with you. Um, Likewise. And, and it's amazing yeah. to be here because I, I watched uh, many of your podcasts, uh, so many great sales leaders. And now I'm here myself, which is uh, amazing. And now you're here. Delighted to have you. Um, then you'll know, Don, I, I always start with the same question. Tell me a little bit about where you grew up and what sort of experience that was. Yeah, so I grew up in a very small town in the Netherlands, in the, the southern part of the Netherlands, which is called Hellevoetsluis. It has uh, around 35 to 40,000 inhabitants, which is not that big, right? Um, grew up no, that, that's a big, that, that's a city in Ireland. <laughs> uh, well, in the Netherlands, it's it, it's it's quite small still, so I'm not from the the the, the big cities. Um, mm. Used to live there for approximately 25 years uh, until I did move to a bigger city, uh, Rotterdam, uh, where mm. the, the the soccer club Feyenoord comes from, which is quite known in Europe. Uh, I'm a big fan of them. Um, yeah. I used to play soccer for a very long time. Uh, did like that very much, uh, but I was quite. Uh, when I was young, uh, more introvert, uh, until I was like 12, even at, house, at home, I was scared mm. to pick up the phone. But when I was looking outside uh, and I saw people that were very, very, very successful, driving big cars, having nice homes, having uh, a beautiful life, they had all one thing in particular the same. And that was they were always on the phone, making calls and doing business. So that's when I thought I need to do this, do this as well, pick up the phone more and, and start dialing. Um, Went to the high school, then to the university. Did uh, a bachelor of uh, a bachelor of administration, uh, we call this mm. commercial economics. Uh, did the study, um, and whilst I was studying, I also worked as an uh, account manager for a retail company. Uh, one of the former directors of Unilever uh, started his own company uh, in um, importing and uh, and exporting um, ethical uh, food goods, uh, such mm. as. Uh, Japanese beers in the Netherlands, uh, which is named Icky Beer, and it's now throughout uh, the whole of the world. Um, started doing sales over there, and 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 then I mm. took the worst sales jobs ever, which is selling um, newspaper subscriptions on the street. Uh, I did that for one year to learn like the basics of sales, uh, because nobody wakes up thinking, "Hey, let's buy a two-year subscription on a newspaper," which I probably don't read. Uh, and that's mm -hmm. where I learned a lot about people and sales, and uh, that's where I, I basically lived of my career. It's kind of more of BDR mm -hmm. work, right, or SDR work. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I stepped into the world of uh, IT and SaaS uh, by accident uh, because I wanted to do the Canon uh, traineeship. It was like the most known traineeship in the Netherlands. And I did it through uh, the company PCI, the Netherlands, which was a reseller of Canon and also of Microsoft. Did that for mm. six months. And then I was able to move into their uh, SaaS division, which was Microsoft Dynamics, Microsoft of 365 reseller. Mm. And that's when my, my career really kicked off. And I got asked by many, mm. many big SaaS companies such as Salesforce, LinkedIn, Oracle, etc. But I didn't want to move to, to Ireland, uh, sorry, Paul, um, because I wanted to stay in the Netherlands. Um, and that's mm. what I did. Uh, went working for one of the key startups in the HR recruitment industry in Europe, which was named or is named Wonderkind. Uh, was mm. one of the first sales reps being hired over there. Uh, so the ninth employee of that company. And, and we grew to 78 uh, people within two years, which was amazing. And then, mm. uh, yeah, I was kind of hitting, hitting the goalposts of that company, right, in terms of growth. Mm. And uh, I made the choice to join uh, a fresh startup named Freshworks, like you can see on my shirt. 
I was the first hire in the Netherlands uh, and was able to open the office in Utrecht uh, together with Raymond Huner, former director at IBM, HP, and LinkedIn. And together mm. with him as a, as a general manager, uh, we started off this region where we have now today 380 square meters office in Utrecht, 42 people working over here and with 80 people looking after the market with a growth of uh, 40x in, in three years in revenue. Wow. Okay, that's a lot to unpack in that. First of all, I think you're in one of my favorite cities, uh, or I call it a medium-sized city, you might call it a small town, is Utrecht. It's, it's a, I love that place. I've been there many times. Um, it's, like a, it's like a mini Amsterdam. It's, yeah. it has, it has the se that sense of it, but obviously much smaller. But they're more quiet, uh, right? Yeah, it is. And I like that. I like to be able to just, you know, you walk around the streets in the evening and when it's dark, it feels very safe. And there's a there's a warm vibe about the place. There's no question. And uh, yeah, no, it's it's a nice place. Um, and you're from the south. Is that close to Breda? No, a, a bit more to the coast. So, a bit more. OK. Uh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So I'm living. Yeah, I'm going to live again. But uh, I, I used to live in mm. Elfenschluis, was like near the beach. Uh, of the Netherlands, okay. uh, really in the southern yeah. part of the Netherlands. Okay. And gonna live there again uh, in a year from now, uh, busy with building a house. So hopefully it's uh, okay. done soon. All right. Yeah, <laughs> I want to go back a little bit because you, you mentioned about that when you were, I think you said 12, like, but certainly young, and you, you were quite an introvert. Um, but you looked at people who were successful and you, you were able to spot a pattern. Now, the first thing that struck me about that was that's one hell of an insight for a, for a kid to be able to do. I don't know, at 10, I wasn't able to put my shirt on properly. Um, and, but, but the overriding thing I'm curious about is how did you overcome that fear? What did, what did you go through? Yeah. that allowed you to get into yeah. that space where you were comfortable? Good question. So for me, I was kind of more an introvert if I had to step out of my comfort zone because I was always scared, mm. like picking up the phone, maybe there's a stranger on the phone. If I was mm. with people that I knew very well, then I was always super full of energy and energetic mm. uh, like today. Um, but what I thought of is like, there is a certain point which is your comfort zone, right? Where you feel mm. okay with doing anything and saying, being open, open-minded, transparent, etc. And of course, every first time you do something new, it, it's quite exciting. Uh, you can get anxious or whatsoever. But the first question which I always ask myself is, what is the worst thing that can happen to yourself if mm. you step out of your comfort zone doing this? The only worst thing that mm. I can imagine where you don't want to do it is that, that it can kill you, right? Then you rather skip it. But if it doesn't kill you, it makes you stronger, right? Like the sentence everyone mm. says. And, and, and that has been my mindset for a very long time that I, I really push myself to step out of my comfort zone every single day and get my uh, comfort zone super big. So sometimes people mm. nowadays tell me your comfort zone is too big, Don, because you're too confident in any situation. But that's what I try to do is to push myself out of the comfort zone uh, and don't let uh, anxiety take over and think of yourself mm. first question in your mind what is the, the worst thing that can happen to you by doing this? Yeah, yeah. I'm curious to know if, if there was anything in terms of whether it was parents, grandparents, teachers, that, where you got that from, or was it, was it always in you, that, that sense of insight? Um, a funny story is, is that my mom uh, used to be very calm, introvert, and, and was scared of, like, external situations that she didn't know mm. of. And my father used to be a commercial director uh, for a big, bigger Scandinavian company, uh, which was in the industrial uh, doors. Um, so he was leading a commercial division. Uh, and for me, it seemed that he always was like also on the phone, having success. And he get along with a lot of people. Uh, and he was always open-minded and transparent to people. and and. Mm. was easy to talk with so i think i had like both of both parents being the the introvert and mm. being a bit scared from my mom and uh, seeing my dad talking to everyone uh, uh giving everyone drinks being everywhere mm. talking to everyone etc mm. so how much of that then was 
where you looked at other people and went, I want some of that versus modeling a parent, which is a which is not an uncommon thing to do, where you look at a parent and you kind of subconsciously look at how they behave and there's a desire to, to model that. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think, of course, in, in, in your first years of life, you get raised by your parents and, and, and family and friends that are uh, close by. Mm. Uh, and also, of course, teachers in school, they have a big impact mm. on life of uh, little kids. Uh, mm. So they form me probably still today a big part of who I am is because of that. But I think mm. once you get older, you get to see more of the world. You get also to understand different perspectives, uh, which also for me big time. Because when you get older, you get also the access to the outer world. When I was 12, I got my first smartphone, right? So you get to see more things. In, in the Netherlands, we used to have Hives, which, which was like kind of Facebook. So you get to see mm. what other people were posting, what they were doing, things like that. And a common thing today is that people only tend to post things that when they are successful or having fun or when they are on holiday. So I got to see a lot of nice things and I thought I want that as well. And my father mm. raised me and my mother as well. Like if you want something, you mm. have to earn it yourself. So work hard mm. for it. And that's when I thought, okay, if I want to have that specific life, I need to work hard for it and, and go mm. for it and do the extra mile like you just mentioned in my introduction. Mm. So I think it's, it's a bit of both worlds which mm. for me today. And of course, uh, there are certain dramas or traumatic events in life which forms you even better or worse. But mm. uh, in my opinion, everything happens with a reason. And, and every event in life, you need to take your lessons from and try to overcome mm. it and become a better person for uh, others mm. around you. Can you point to an event in your life in as much as you're comfortable talking about it that had a, 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 a real, a real yeah, impact on yeah. how you view the world or how you might have changed as a person? Mm -hmm. uh, well, there are different events. Uh, so I used to play soccer on a certain level and then uh, I got kicked out of a team uh, because the trainer didn't like my father. <laughs> so it had nothing to do with me. So it was out of my control. And and it didn't feel right to me. So from that point on, I thought, okay, I always have to be in control over the events that happen in life towards me. And I should not be overwhelmed or uh, based on other success. Mm. I think I was 15 by that age. Then a couple of years later, uh, my nephew died due to cancer, uh, which had a big impact on myself, mm. but also on, on the family surrounding it. And then three years later, my mom died to cancer uh, when I was 23. So that had a big impact on me as well, because then you become more in independent. And uh, also you start looking into life in a different perspective. Like uh, sometimes what kind of efforts do you want to put in certain work or time or whatsoever? And what do you want to get back from life? And what do you want to give back to life, to society and to people surrounding mm. you? And I think uh, the latest event that my mom died had the biggest impact on myself in mm. terms of how much I want to give back to society and how much I want to give back mm. to people uh, and mm. how much gratitude I get from being alive and, and doing what I do on a daily basis. Mm. So talk to me then about what you, on one hand, want to take from life, what's important that life is giving to you, and then on the other hand, where you can give back that, that's, that makes an impact. Um, so for me, what I would like to get out of life is that, um, I feel grateful, like for the days that I have and, and that I can have fun with people I like to be around with. Uh, oh. so for me also in work, especially people in SaaS could change job every single day. Right. And we can all earn a bit more money at the other side. Grass always looks green on the other side, but I tend to say grass is green where you water it. But uh, for me, it's actually having fun every single day. Of course, life is not all about fun and there are less good days and better days. But for me, in the essence, it's like being grateful for what you can get out of life and, and do stuff that you actually like and have fun with and, and be around people that you actually love and care about. Mm. Something I would like to give back to life and to society and to people surrounding me is that they can get the same feeling. So for me, for example, professionally in Freshworks, 
I really want to have a happy work environment for the people in my team, but also in the office. I'm also kind of the office manager in Utrecht. So I really want to make sure that they have a, a place to work where they feel safe, where they can grow and then where they can make friends. And, and, and at Freshworks, they call this the Kudumba, which is an Indian term for family. But I really want to create a safe environment where people can grow as a professional and a person. Um, Personally, of course, I, I, I really want to give back to my family, friends, uh, my wife, uh, uh, and, and, and be a good friend, be a, 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 a good son, uh, a, a good brother, uh, things mm. like that. And of course, that is measurable in many items. But I think for me, it's the most important thing that people have the feeling that I'm always loyal to them, transparent, that they can trust me, and that they can call me anytime and I will help them. Like you probably read on my LinkedIn as well. Yes, I did. And there was there was the common thread that went through the comments on that. One was smart, intelligent, and then that other one was loyal and you can call on him. And I thought that's really interesting because it was quite quite it's jumped out at me. And so you know, LinkedIn profiles can be very bland. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Not profiles, but the recommendations, you know, not everybody's really good at writing them. So, so they can be just kind of copy and paste sometimes. But yours weren't. It was, it was quite interesting. Um, come back to sales for a moment. And I'm curious because you initially you were looking at the, the key challenge of getting into sales and getting outside your comfort zone was mastering the phone. What I'm interested to understand is what were some of the other uh, lessons about sales that surprised you where you went in kind of assuming oh this is how it works or how it should be and then you ended up discovering that it was actually very different I'm interested in that very different um, so what I thought of was that it would only be like a, a numbers game and that if you became mm. smarter and smarter and work harder and harder that you would get more out of the job but in a sense that's not always true, uh, especially when you go into more complex selling, like selling a newspaper mm. is different, right? It's like selling a pen or a sandwich or whatsoever. It's a commodity. Mm. But if you get into more complex IT uh, or, or value selling, then it, comes, it becomes a completely different uh, game where you really mm. need to understand like what the compelling event is for a person in that company you're working mm -hmm. with, but also what the compelling event is for a company and also mm -hmm. how you can make sure that you have a multi-level stakeholder management from both sides so that it becomes kind of more project management than actual only selling, selling, selling. Uh, and that you have to be really good at internal stakeholder management and, and selling and, and politics, but also in external selling and politics and management of the expectations. So that also means that you need to open up and be transparent and open for feedback from both sides, internal and external, uh, and that you cannot pull the lever or do the whole deal on your own, but that it's true team effort. And I think that's something mm. I learned the hard way along the road where you first were selling newspapers, which was a very individual job, selling commodity, and mm. then in getting into complex IT enterprise deals, you become more a team member and a project manager uh, instead of mm. a core salesperson. Mm. What do you think are the only valuable sales lessons that can only be taught the hard way through experience? Mm, a good question. Yeah, it can, of course, be many. And it's, I think it's also different per person, right? Because it also comes from the background that you have and the perspective that you mm. had over sales. But I think the hardest lessons are, for example, trusting one person in a different company, saying that he or she would sign the deal off and he or she is not responsible for that, but that you had so much faith mm. in one person and then eventually yeah, you get disappointed because it's not going to happen or the deal slips or whatsoever. Or, for example, in negotiations that sometimes people try to play the hardball game with you and, and try to mess around with you. But yeah, you learn that the hard way as well because if you learn that the hard way, you know that you need to start uh, playing the, the, yeah, the field right from the beginning and not only in the end when you start mm. the negotiation. It's interesting. Um, the, the strong one that jumped out at me there was that people don't always appear like they present themselves. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. 
Um, Unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I think that you're, you're right. That is a lesson that you have to learn the hard way. You can, be, you can be told it, but it's only when you get your fingers burnt that it's, it, it, yeah. it's, it's the emotional impression. Yeah. Um, and it's sometimes a lesson you have to learn more than once. Well, it, that's for me anyway, that's for sure. Uh, I think you, you, it's easy to get complacent. Um, in what you're doing currently, what's given you the greatest sense of satisfaction? People growing personally and professionally and that they actually see themselves growing and then they come towards your desk and say, Don, I really want to thank you because I've seen myself growing in this area or that area. Sometimes it's in serum hygiene or it's in sales tactics or sales methods, but sometimes it's even on the EQ level where they had difficulties getting along with team members and now they become friends mm. or it's easier to, for them to maintain a project or to run through the organization. And for me, that's mm. like where I get the, the gratitude from that if people walk mm. to my desk and say, don't thank you because I've been growing or at least if I notice it, because we do an evaluation every three months and like a full uh, annual review cycle a year uh, where you look into all the notes that you've made, of course, every quarter. Um, mm. And that's when I see like, yeah, we definitely changed something. And especially in, in a company that's in hyper growth, it's easier to see because we went from Raymond and I being the two of us to 42 people in the office. So, of course, when someone or something grows really quick, like a small kid, you get growing pains. Uh, mm. Freshworks also sometimes has certain growing pains. Uh, it's not perfect anywhere. Um, and if you see like the growing pains that you overcome as a team every single day and every mm. week, etc., and then you look back at it, maybe at that time you're looking at the obstacle like, oh, this is massive and it's difficult to crack. But afterwards, mm. when you look back, you're like, oh, oh, damn, yeah, we did this. We did this with a small team. Now we are here with such a big team and we overcome so many obstacles. And that's something that, mm. uh, of course, is also mm. really nice to look back at. And what are, in your experience, the biggest challenges in growing a team? Not, I'm not specifically talking about Freshworks. Obviously, that's a lot of your experience. But in growing a, a scale-up, what are the what what are what are the real the the tough moments the big challenges? Well, if I look from my perspective, of course, and and also from my network, what I I have heard so far mm. is that uh, building a team. Um, of course, right now it's super difficult to attract talents uh, and retain talents because mm. people tend to say it's the great resignation or their war of talent has begun. I tend to say the war of talent is already lost. The talents can choose where they want to work. Um, but but if you look into a quick growing company, I think the most important thing is to maintain the culture and that mm. you hire diverse people that help you build the foundation of a company and maintain the culture that you have as a company because the, the soul and the culture of a company makes it more attractive to people to work for, but also makes it more attractive for people to stay. Because a company mm. without a heart, without a soul, is yeah, just... Uh... Mm. Is that you talk about the, the war on talent, you said it's, it's lost. Um, is that changing? I'm just, just thinking that I've seen a lot of posts on LinkedIn of late, and we're recording this mid-June 2022, um, about people being laid off from tech companies. Is is that a rebalance or is that just over in the States and it's not really something that's hit Europe? Well, I think you will see it everywhere. Even in Europe, we have companies that are laying off like 10 to 15% uh, of their company, mm. unfortunately. Um, luckily at Freshworks, we are still in growth. We have lots of open mm. vacancies, so we didn't have to uh, lay off any people, uh, but you're seeing it everywhere. Uh, and I also think it will change the uh, labor market a bit. Because right now, lots of, especially American companies, tend to offer a lot of money, uh, especially with remote contracts where they don't have to have people in the office, etc. So the costs of those employees are a bit lower in terms of that, uh, and they offer really high salaries. So, so tell me, uh, Don, past or present, who inspires you to this day? 
multiple people, of course, but uh, I think uh, I've had two leaders that do inspire me uh, or did inspire me as well. And, and both, uh, one works at Fresh Church, which is Raymond Wiener, my, my manager. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he's a great leader. Um, then we have Girish Matrubam, uh, the, the CEO and founder of Freshworks. He inspires me big time as well because he stays super humble, although he's the CEO of a big Indian company who went public on the NASDAQ, which is quite uncommon. He's the first to do it. Um, mm-hmm. And also a former leader of Freshworks, which is Arumani. Uh, he works now at Plio in Denmark as CRO. And what I've seen, at him, he comes from an engineering background, but rolled mm-hmm. up into a managing uh, director slash president role at Freshworks in Europe. But, but fortunately, he left. But he was capable of bringing like all kinds of people really diverse workforce whilst Freshworks was not known all together and and was really able to create a purpose and a vision of of life but also the reason why to work for a certain company um, mm. and uh, I found that very interesting because it's not that common that people are able to attract people from uh, different levels different regions different cultural backgrounds different backgrounds in terms of kind of, kind of companies they worked for. Some com- people come from super corporate companies or startups or straight out of university. And he was able to connect all of them very easily, or at least it looked mm. very easily from uh, from my part uh, towards him. Um, so I think those people are mm. like very inspiring for me uh, in terms of what they have done in, in, mm. in business. Mm. Uh, of course, there can also be inspirational people in, in terms of when I was younger in, in soccer. Like I, I, I always wanted to be like Arjen Robben, uh, the, the soccer player who played at uh, Bayern München, which was a super mm-hmm. famous uh, Dutch soccer player. And, mm. and, and I think that's how you have inspirational people in life. Uh, and of course, a lot of uh, top sporters like, like Max Verstappen, LeBron James, uh, Tiger Woods, they all have something in common, which which inspires me is that they all really have a purpose in life and, and a goal and they they do everything to get to that goal and, and nothing mm. stands in between that. And and they also step out of their comfort zone every single day. Mm. Uh, mm. Which, which with Formula One, you can debate like, is it going to kill me if I go out of my comfort zone? Yes, it might <laughs> kill you, but uh, with other sports, of course, it won't. And I think that's yeah. also with, 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 with professional life, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I have two questions that pop into mind. One was, a, was, was Robin the greatest Dutch footballer or is it just some, something in him you admired? Uh, I think because uh, I'm not as tall uh, as, as most Dutch people and Robin is also not as tall and uh, he uh, was a flanker left-footed I was also a flanker mm-hmm. left-footed so I think I ah. saw a lot of uh, uh, common areas uh, when I was playing soccer if he mm. is the greatest soccer player I don't think so that would pr- mm. probably Johan Cruyff yeah do you are you old enough to remember him playing mm. yeah of course I've seen him playing in terms of mm. like videos but not actually yeah live. but not live yeah yeah he he was he was something special right? I remember him yeah. in the uh that infamous uh, World Cup final. I can't remember what year it was. It was Germany and it was 1-1 in, in 88, was it? Yeah. But there was one that going back further. That was the second one. There was another, was that the second one? Because I know that you played, was it Germany twice in World Cup finals? Back in this, was there one in the 70s? Yeah, maybe. No, oh, maybe. I know there was maybe. one. Yeah, I know it was a while ago, but uh, yeah, he was something special. But yeah. uh, I, I digress. I'm more interested, obviously, in, in in the characteristics and traits of people that we're attracted to because very often they reflect something in ourselves or sometimes something that's missing in ourselves that we wish we had um, which is interesting in itself tell me um, I want to ask you a little bit about the function you're doing at the moment and well more, more the, the the transition I guess into leadership mm-hmm. uh, we talked a little bit about getting into sales and the initial attraction to that both externally what you saw but also your own father being a role model in you know in, in that world and then you're, you're in sales and I really like the the part of the story where you're saying that 
you're, you're very deliberate about choices you made. Where can I get training? And putting yourself into situations that are way outside your comfort zone. Uh, and, and I love the, the worst case scenario. I think more people would do well to take that advice on board as, you know, when you're looking at something, well, what's the worst thing that can happen? And, and can I live with that? Is it something, you know, if, if somebody calls me a, a name or, or I get a bad grade or I, or I fail, can I live with that? And if I can, go do it. Um, I, I really like that, but then there's you you, you move into a leadership position, and, and that for off, often for people can be a, an interesting transition in itself in terms of what they discover about themselves, but also other people, and that's what I'd like to talk to you about is what did you learn about yourself and about other people that wasn't clear to you beforehand. Um. Well, it was a very interesting step. It, it came a bit natural because I was one of the first to join Freshworks in the Netherlands, of course. So I was able to set it up and hire the team and grow the team. So it was kind of natural for me to step up to a leader role within the mm. organization. Of course, it was something that I never did before. Uh, so it was quite new to me. And, and in the first three to six months, maybe a bit overwhelming where you need to step up your game and do much more work. Because when you're an individual contributor, you get to work daily hours on your own work. When you become a leader, basically the during the work hours, you are working for your team and then your own work, like your email box, etc., comes very often before the working hours or after the working hours. So that's something I needed to adapt to and also find a way how to juggle between my time um, and also get used to like the urgency matrix in my head, like, is it urgent? Uh, does it impact the organization, etc.? And which item will I pick first? That That's something I learned from myself is that I really want to do good for everyone, every single day, every minute. And as a leader, that is unfortunately not possible. That's not the reality. Mm. It's not the truth that you can be the best for each individual every single minute and can help everyone, especially when teams grow. Lots of people need help. So that's something I, I needed to learn and adapt myself to is that I also need to say no to certain people or say, can this wait? Or can you maybe do this with someone else? So I think that has been the biggest lesson to myself to learn to say no and, and delegate certain uh, topics to others. Mm. Whilst as an individual contributor, you're used to picking up everything yourself whenever you want. So I think mm. that that was the biggest learning, which I, I did not know of myself that it was maybe difficult for me to say no, but that's something mm. I got to learn because of them. Mm. Something I learned about people is that you really need to adapt uh, to each situation. So situational leadership style, every person is different. That's something I already knew, of course, from life and, and from mm. uh, being in sales, etc. But especially when you get into leadership, Maybe someone just becomes dad or mom, or maybe someone has a trauma mm. at home, or maybe mm. someone is having difficulties with understanding the complex uh, IT because they came from a different industry. Maybe someone is, is working it and hitting quarters in row and row and row and wants to step up his career. How are you going to help this person? Mm. And, and, and those are insights I got from my team as well. Like I had uh, mm. everything in one year, like all the situations you can think of came all by, which mm. is overwhelming, but it's also nice because it, it pulled me once again out of the comfort zone every single time and you get used to every situation, which will help me in the rest of my career. Um, mm. But this is something I really learned uh, along the way in the last mm. one and a half years since I'm, I've been doing this role. Is it, so you had no experience of scaling up an organization before you started with Freshworks? Yes and no. Uh, the founder of Wonderkind is a really good friend of mine, Laurent Scholte. Um, mm. And he scaled up Wonderkind from 1 to 78. And he raised uh, millions uh, of seed capital. Uh, and I, I used to live kind of half weeks uh, for two years together with him in Amsterdam. So... I got to see how he did skill the organization. Of course, we had lots and lots of discussion during dinner or drinks mm. together on how to skill further. So I've been able to watch him doing it, mm. uh, like sitting next to him. Uh, and of course, having lots of inputs on that as well, but also lots of learnings on what went well and what mm. also did go completely wrong. 
and that's something I could have, uh, yeah, mm. which I used at Freshworks uh, and leveraged. Yeah. But like that's a big bold move on behalf of Freshworks to give that responsibility to somebody who hasn't the track record. I mean, you're familiar with it. I get that. What is it that you think they saw in you specifically that made them feel comfortable giving you this uh, task? Of course, I did not do it alone. Uh, there is a whole team uh, behind everyone who is successful because you do not, not, nothing is capable of doing alone. But in the end, mm. um, I think that uh, Raymond had a lot of trust in me as a general manager. Uh, and also uh, Arumani, the, the old uh, managing director of Europe, and also the current uh, managing director of Europe, John Crossen. He done the trick already a couple of times at, at competitors of ours, so like Sendesk, Salesforce, Oracle, etc. So he has a, a really big track record. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think they've seen lots and lots of uh, professionals uh, going along the way in the last 30 years of work experience. And they were confident that I was a good choice to take the risk uh, and luckily it turned out well for them uh, and also for myself why would they pick me um, I was one of the first um, I'm very motivated I want to work hard I go the XML and also people know what they can yeah, think of me but either you like me or you might dislike me because I'm always super transparent and direct in my feedback um, and, and I trust people by default and I'm willing to work with anyone or anything uh, and, and go for success together. Um, mm. And I think and I think that's something they liked about me, that I'm, I'm super mm. transparent. Is that a, that's a very Dutch thing, though, isn't it? The, that, tra- that being very direct and, and transparent. Um, yes and no. I think there are more countries in the world where people are pretty direct. Uh, yeah. Israel, I, I think, is like that. Yeah, is. Israel is, for example, one yeah. of them. So there are a few countries in the world where they are direct as well. Um, yeah. But but it's it's the Netherlands and Dutch people are known uh, by it that they yeah. Yeah. sometimes they might be too direct. So that's also yeah. something you get used to because uh, of course Freshworks, for example, is an Indian company, so we have an Indian heritage. Mm. I also have been to Chennai, um, mm. and and all people like every single person in Chennai office is smarter than I am and and they all have like one two or even three masters in in certain areas uh and and they all come from like universities when they kick in in the support or a a junior role so I can learn a lot from them um but they are also quite humble and 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 they really want to help you moving forward so if you would ask me something hey don't can you help me and it's not my job I would directly say no go go away this is not my job and and uh, for them, they don't want to say no to you. So they say, okay, I yeah. will help you, but they can't because it's not their job. And then a day later, you might find out it's not their job. So then you say, is this your job? And they say no. And then you say, okay, can you help me find the right person to do it? And yeah. then they help you. So it's getting used to Interesting. the way of approaching items. And, and they also respect each other culture, right? So we in, in mm. my team, we have Finnish people, Swedish people, Norwegian people, Danish people, Belgian people, Belgium, you have Flanders and the French part. Everyone has a different background, different culture. And we all have one thing in common, and that is that we want to have success and, and, and we want to have fun and, and success together. Mm. So we have to respect each other, try to understand each other, uh, be open and build trust because it's okay. Mm. So we all want results and it's okay to, to have certain conflicts in between to get to that success uh, and result. But the foundation of that is building trust and, and having respect for each other culture and background. Mm-hmm. I have to say, I do like that directness in, in the Netherlands because you always know where you stand. Uh, and it's not always comfortable, but at least you know where you stand and you're not wasting time. I think that's a huge yeah. thing. Um, I, I don't know that we in we in Ireland we tend to we tend to dance around things a little bit. No, um, but it, so far, all the Irish people I know, uh, and all the Irish and Dutch people that know each other, I think they get along very well. Mm. Yeah, no, I, I do, and in fact, it's interesting because I I've, of all the places I've been to, I think. In 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 any culture now, this is going to be a huge generalization, right? So. <laughs> Anybody listening to this, don't write me and tell me it's generalization. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but there's, 
cultures that are kind of very fun-loving, it's all about life, and uh, then there's others that they tend to be very serious. Okay, now, again, <laughs> that's broad. But, but in the Netherlands, you guys seem to have that balance absolutely spot on. Um, I, don't, I don't know what, what the perfect balance is, but thank you for stating that. <laughs> yeah. No, it's like you go into a shop and, and they're very friendly. But they're also serious about doing jo the job right. Uh, you, you, there's places you can go and everybody's friendly, but nobody shows up on time. Right, they'll show up an hour late, and you're kind of going, "Hang on a second, we agree twelve o'clock. Where, where, where are you? You're late." Ah, oh, yeah, it's, and it's that kind of laissez-faire attitude. Whereas in the Netherlands, it's yeah, you you say what you're going to do, you do what you say, but you also enjoy the process, and and that's what I I find is very few places have that balance nailed, and for me, the Netherlands anyway is one is is jumps out at me there's no question i love going there for that reason you get the best of both worlds yeah um how do you like to unwind you 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 have to be incredibly busy in fresh works so how do you take time out to decompress um i, I like to walk uh and i used to work out a lot so go to the gym mm. uh, four to six times a week uh, I've been doing that a bit less uh, over the last year uh, because of certain reasons. But I, I, I try to walk five kilometers uh, every single day. So that's something how I unwind uh, and, and yeah, spend some time with family and friends. It's very important for me. Um, also, mm -hmm. one of the reasons why I'm, I'm uh, relocating myself to near the beach is because I love to be in a calmer place where there are no not too many uh, things to do around you and, and you mm. can go to the beach when the weather is nice, uh, etc. Mm. Um, and I, I'm into sports, of course. So uh, I, I like to play golf or pedal, pedal tennis. It's a, it's a new sport. Play soccer, uh, go to the gym, things like that. Did you say pedal tennis? Yeah, so we call it padel in the Netherlands. But oh, paddle, the... I beg your pardon. Yeah. Sorry, I was thinking pedal like in a bike. Uh, no, no. I was thinking, <laughs> what does that look like? <laughs> uh, so my, my colleagues from Scandinavia call it pedal tennis. But we yeah. call it padel in, in the Netherlands. And it's getting okay. more famous now. And like in the Netherlands, you have it in every single city. There are like multiple courts where you can play it. So mm. uh, it's for people that are really bad at tennis or squash. You can yeah. play pedal. And, and I'm really bad. I suck at both at tennis and, and squash. So uh, yeah. I tried this. <laughs> yeah. So a paddle is like a... Like a a table tennis paddle, it's a hard, flat surface. Yeah, it's a bit, not bit a... bigger, but smaller than a, yeah. a tennis racket. And then it's, yeah, it's yeah. again, like the rules of squash, but it's a court like tennis. So it's, it's a mix of everything. Gotcha, gotcha. And the thing is, you can't hit the ball as fast with a paddle as you can with a sprung. So therefore, for, for those of us who are on the wrong side of... From, I'm talking about me, by the way, not you. Are on the wrong side of... Um, uh, prime age in terms of fitness. If the ball goes slower, then I stand a chance of getting to it. So at least yeah. we can has stand some chance of having a game. <laughs> yeah, interesting. I've not heard of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like it. I like it. Uh, any hobbies? Yes, specific uh, hobbies. If yeah. if I can go on holiday, I, I love to dive. So I'm a diver. Oh. Ah. Uh, and, okay. and that's the best thing in the world to unwind. If you're under the water, just enjoying uh, the, the ocean, the fish, uh, and, 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 and the coral, of course. And, and the only thing you can hear is your own breathing. So it's kind of yeah. like meditation. Yeah. So it's scuba, not snorkel, right? It's uh, scuba diving. Yeah, sorry. Scuba, wow. Yeah. yeah. I've always fancied I've never done it. Uh, and I must admit that... I, I, what you said there, it's, it's, get, it's getting me uh, thinking that maybe I need to go do it this year because the, you're right about the underwater. I used to love that. And just even in a swimming pool and you just slide down by the wall. Unfortunately, you only get maybe 30 seconds in a pool before yeah. you <gasps> have to come up. But um, it is, it's the ultimate just solitude and it's like you're in another world. It is, yeah, and exactly what so, you're saying. And then with yeah. scuba diving, you can be down under for like 32 60 minutes yeah. right and then you get yeah. to see a lot of nice things and and the ocean as well um but it also depends where you go at right so i, I prefer yeah. 
countries where the water is a bit warmer than in the Netherlands uh. because it can be like nine degrees <laughs> in the water uh. in the Netherlands, which is way too cold to yeah. uh, to do some scuba diving. Yeah, yeah. No, I get that. Tell me, I'm, I want to just conscious of time, but one thing I wanted to ask you was about if you think back over the last couple of years, there's been huge changes in working models brought on by the pandemic. And, um, and I know the Netherlands had an interesting experience with that as well, with a kind of off again, on again, um, uh, public policy approach to it. And so what I was interested to know is of everything that you went through, what do you, th what good, what positives have come out of it that you say, we need to keep this, this is really good? I think, um, so especially the, the, the comp competitive markets like SaaS were already open to that, which is the hybrid working model, which means that you mm. have an office space where you can go into, but you don't have to. So it's not mandatory. Mm. And I think in, in lots of industries, especially in the Netherlands, you were forced to go to the office from eight to five or nine to six or whatever your working hours were. And uh, in the Netherlands, the commuting times are quite long. So most people live between 30 to 60 minutes, one way commuting to their office. So the people mm -hmm. that live close by, they are lucky. Um, and I think what you have seen with, with the shift of COVID, the pandemic, is that all those industries and companies got used to the hybrid working model and that they tend to allow people to work certain days from home and certain days from, from the office. Mm. My, my own preparation for myself, and, and I'm not talking about the colleagues that I have, is, is being in the office roughly mm. three days a week, having two days at home, because when you're working from home and your doorbell rings or what kind of packages are coming inside or whatever you need to arrange, that's possible as well during the week. Mm. And that doesn't mean that you're working less productive or less efficient or less hours because you can still do the same work at home that sometimes you can do at the office or maybe even more. Mm. But it also allows you to, to get the flexibility of arranging stuff in, in your personal life. And especially mm. people with kids, etc. like very often in the Netherlands, the, the husbands were always at the office, so they never could bring their kids to school. But they also cannot work only three days or four days a week because they have to pay uh, the bills, etc., mm. and keep things moving in life. But working from home or working hybrid, also those people get the chance to bring their kids to school, which also helps, again, with creating the diversity in the office and also equality between men and women, because then mm. you're creating uh, equal steps for each other instead of one forcing yeah. into the office and I, the other not. Yeah, I think it was, I know in the Netherlands it was quite high the number of uh, women of, of mother age, mid-twenties upward, um, who worked part-time. This was pre-pandemic, the stats were quite high in the Netherlands. And, and I'm guessing it, it has, has a positive benefit for them as well because it means that they can still have time but also kind of share those with that's, their partners. Yeah, at least yeah. what I hope, of course, it, yeah. the time has to tell. Um, yeah, but like, I've seen more of it. I, I, I've seen classes that I've done online where I'll have, you know, the, the Zoom matrix and you'll, I'll see dads, I assume they're dads, right? But they're, they're, they're there. And if there's a kid crying in the background, they'll get up or I saw one guy and he had a kid on his knee in this class I was doing. Um, that's not something you would have seen before. So, and, and I know from other sales leaders I've interviewed as well, female sales leaders saying that, yeah, having their husbands being at home willingly, more than happy to do yeah. more domestic chores, bring kids to school and so on. So I, th I think you're right, there's been a leveling there. I think there was systemic barriers in, that were in the way. I think men were always more than happy to do that, but if there's a meeting at eight o'clock and I gotta be at the office for it, it was, it, yeah, it was just, it got in the way. Yeah, yeah. but I, I, now I, my situation was different because I've been working at, at home uh, for 20 years because of my work. And I just love those times when I could, you know, when she would hold my, my daughter, when she would hold my hand and I could bring her to school and my son's the same. And then they got to a certain age where 
it was embarrassing to be seen holding dad's hands and <laughs> you could see that kind of slowly yeah and then you get to that phase where you tease them a little bit you know if you, you know you, if you don't let me hold your hand I, you, you do this with them and have some fun but yeah yeah it's a, it's a really nice thing um and, yeah. and hopefully we we manage to hold on to it yeah, and I, I, I truly hope because the diversity in the workforce will also help companies grow further. Uh, mm. Because if you only have men or only have women, uh, it, mm. it, it doesn't help you get further because we need multiple uh, objectives yeah. and angles uh, into the company to get further. And I truly hope that working hybrid or remote, things like that, or fully at the office, it depends on, on the industry, of course, mm. uh, that it will drive equality in the workforce globally. Here, here. A um, couple of minutes left, uh, Don. Uh, two quick questions. Uh, desert island. You, you're, you're, you're going to be marooned on a desert island. What one thing would you take with you? And you don't know when you're going to be rescued, if ever. What one thing would you take with you? My wife, Maxime. Uh, okay, I, sh I should have said it has to be a thing, not, not a person. <laughs> uh, a thing. An, uh, fire stick fire stick what would you plug it into <laughs> well, because with a fire stick you can make fire on a rock oh on my mister listen I'm, i feel i feel such a fool now because i'm confusing it with one of those uh uh TV streaming sticks. <laughs> I think there's something called a fire stick that you plug into a TV and I'm gonna go, this is great. But I get it, something that can, like a flint yeah. or something that can create yeah. fire. Got it, all right, very very practical. That's what I'm yeah. interested in. Yeah, 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 cool. And uh, if your house were burning down and your wife is safe, if you have any pets, they're safe, your phone and your computer, all safe. You have time to run back in and grab one item. What would it be? Picture of my mom. Picture, okay, nice. And final question. When your time on this planet is done and there's a book written about your life, what would you like the title of it to be? Gratitude. Oh, man. You're on fire with these answers. That's, that's I love it, it's perfect. Don van der Duz, that's a perfect place to leave it. Thank you so much for being my guest today. Thank you, Paul. Nice to uh, e meet you. And if you're ever in Utrecht, feel free to come by at the office. And uh, let's oh, that's, grab a beer. I'm gonna hold you. I'm gonna I'm gonna hold for you sure. to that. I'm no, gonna no, hold for you to sure. that. For sure, you're more than welcome. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah? Appreciate that. Thank you.